0: Mark's Gospel in chapter number 8. Look with me in verse 22. Mark chapter 8, verse number 22. If you're there, say amen. amen. The Bible said, And he cometh to Bethsaida. They bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of the town. When he had spit on his eyes, and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up, and he was restored, and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town nor tell it uh, to any in the town. I I want to look at this tonight and I wanna I wanna key in on, on a few things. Look in verse number 25, the Bible said, and after that, after he has put his hands on him in verse 23, and he spit in his eyes, the Bible said in verse 25, after that he put his hands again upon his eyes. And if I could, I want to talk to you tonight, preach on this little simple thought, touch me again. Touch me again, Lord, touch me again. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be here. I thank you, Lord, for the good preaching that we've just heard. I thank you, Lord, for Brother Caleb and his heart to serve you. Now, God, I pray that you'd help me for a little while and enable me, Lord, to put, uh, Lord, to say what you've put in my heart exactly how you'd have me say it. Lord, give me power and unction, Lord, uh, God, that we would not just reach ears tonight, but, Lord, you would speak the hearts of your people. And, Lord, I believe with all my heart that the setting is right for this message, and I thank you for that. Help us, Lord, please. In Jesus' name, for His sake. all. The Lord's people said, Amen and Amen. Uh, briefly, if I could, by way of introduction, it is here that we find ourselves reading where the Lord Jesus Christ has just entered into a place known as Bethsaida. The Bible lets us know once he enters into Bethsaida, he's then met by a group of people, whoever they are, is who he has met by, and they have brought unto him, the Bible says, a man that is blind. Now, I want to say this about this blind man in particular. It's obvious to me that this blind man was not blind from birth. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, look in verse 24. The Bible said after the Lord Jesus spits on his eyes and touches him for the first time, in verse 24, he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. So it is obvious to me by our text that this man knows what men look like and he is aware of what trees look like. Blind men have no idea what a tree looks like. They've heard about them. They've maybe even uh, uh, felt the leaves of a tree in the bark. But in their, in their mind, they've never seen them. And so they could not identify a tree. But this man knows both what a tree looks like and what men look like. And here's where I begin to ponder when I read over this. I'm afraid that we are experiencing a lot of this very same thing in the last days that we're living. And you say, what's that, preacher? Well, in verse number 24, this blind man has been helped. He's went from being blind to being able to see, but he does not see Clearly, can I get some help tonight? He can see, he's been helped, he's no longer blind, but he cannot see clearly. And the Bible lets us know that he sees men as trees walking uh, to and fro. Can I say tonight that there's a great difference between being hit, uh, between being helped and being healed. And when this blind man is simply helped, he cannot, uh, he can see once again, but not clearly. His vision is no longer complete completely gone. He can shout about that, Thank the Lord he can see something, but his vision is cloudy. His vision in this text, in verse 24, is corrupted. It is confusing and really, it's almost counterfeit. It's almost a real thing, but not quite. He has been helped, but he has not been healed. And so, what's the need for the touch me again, Lord, is uh, what's what's the significance of that? Well, in verse 25, the Bible says, to him. After that, he, being Jesus, put his hands again, this is the second time, upon his eyes and made him look up. He was restored uh, and saw every man clearly. I don't know about y'all, but I have found myself in my Christian walk uh, seeing but not seeing clearly. I have been helped. So I believe all of us tonight could say that without a shadow of a doubt at some point in our life that the Lord has helped us, but I wonder, uh, kind of like those those ten lepers, you remember, uh, that came to Jesus and he touched them all and uh, their leprosy and he healed them, but uh, he helped them, but then they left and only one returned uh, and gave him praise, honor, and glory. And the Bible said out of the ten, there was only one there uh, that was made whole. And I kind of begin to think about this. What if... Uh, this blind man would have been content With seeing men as trees He would have been helped But he would not have been healed I wonder how many of us tonight uh, You're sitting here and throughout the years You've always allowed God to help you uh, But you've never reached that place Where he uh, could touch you again Now I'm no charismatic Don't get me wrong I don't believe that you can be saved again I, I don't even necessarily believe That there's a second fill in the Holy Ghost I, I believe this I believe that you get the Holy Ghost All of when you get saved Now the Bible does say this And they say well preacher What are you going to do with over there Where it says uh, Be not drunk with wine Where in its excess But be you filled with the Spirit uh, Well it's very simple I explain it like this When a man's drunk He's partake, partook of something And uh, the more of that that goes in him The more of that that's shown out of him Is that right? And I believe this The problem is not That God has not filled us already The problem is That uh, we don't allow him to shine through us the way he's supposed to. In other words, God uh, got all of you and when he saved you uh, by by on the spiritual side of things, but God often don't get all of us. Can I get some help tonight? I, I know people that's been saved and sold out immediately. I know people that got saved and seemed like they got help but they get, didn't get healed. They're still confused and still uh, cloudy on some things, but uh, my friend, I'm here to tell you, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, the Lord saved me, seventy years old, but He touched me again when I was 18. I can't explain to you what happened. Uh, I say it all the time. If I believed you couldn't get saved again, I'd have got saved that day. Uh, But I didn't get saved. I I just got right with God. He got all of me. He had all of me in the spiritual world, but He got me on this side of eternity. I went from being helped that day to being healed. And uh, my friend, I'm afraid that we're living in a day and an hour where people have satisfied themselves with seeing men as trees They're no longer blind But listen to me Just because you're not blind Does not mean you can see well This man ain't blind no more But he sure, he, I sure wouldn't let him drive me to Walmart Men's look like trees Y'all with me? There's people in, in the Christian life that I know I, I love them But I'm going to be honest with you that, They're probably not the ones I'm calling in the midnight hour When I need good prayer don't die on me. Help me somebody. Amen. There's some you don't have a problem calling because you trust them. They, they look like, they seem like they're healed. And there's others you're thinking they're helped and they, they need some more help. Amen. That's where this man's at. Yeah. He can see. He's no longer blind, but he ain't seeing very good until the second touch. He gets touched again. There's some great truths here I want to bring out. First of all, I want you to see this. How are we gonna get that touch? How how are we gonna reach a place where God can touch us again? By the way, that's what we need. It's what our church needs. You know, our church needs twenty twenty three. It ain't a better sermon. No, it ain't. It ain't a better choir. It ain't. It ain't a better uh, facility. It ain't a bigger crowd. It's not what we need. You know what we need? We need God to touch us again. Yeah. Does anybody remember when you got a second touch from the Lord? I'm telling you, I'm looking at people. I was there when some of you got it. You were saved already, but you got touched. The Lord touched you again. Y'all remember that old song, don't you? Touch me again, Lord. I need your power. I need your strength, Lord. In this very hour, I'm telling you, that's what we need is a second touch. Touch me again, Lord. Number one, in order for the Lord to touch you again, uh, you must, number one, appreciate His presence. In verse number 22, the Bible says, and and he speaking of Jesus cometh to Bethsaida now there's a few things I want to mention concerning this place called Bethsaida number one it was no ordinary place Uh, instead Bethsaida is literally a place that abode under a curse you say what do you mean it's a very wicked place a sinful place but this is a place that Jesus was simply passing through yet he had no intent on being there permanently Bethsaida is a place of sinners Bethsaida was a place of strongholds and suffering and sickness all of which made anybody ought to make anybody be appreciative that Jesus of all people would show up in a place called Bethsaida where do you get that from preacher Matthew chapter 11 verse number 21 the Bible said woe unto thee Uh, Chorazin, woe unto thee Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Uh, Luke's gospel records this about Bethsaida in chapter 10 verse 13, woe unto thee Chorazin, woe unto thee Bethsaida, for if the mighty works uh, had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which had been done in you, they had a great while ago repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. In other words, if these other places was anything like Bethsaida they would have repented a long time ago it's a cursed place it's a sinner's place is anybody getting a picture of what I'm trying to show you this evening yet Jesus out of all places went to this place where a blind man was sitting and was brought by whoever they are brought to Jesus you must appreciate his presence listen I've come to tell you tonight if we got what we deserved my friend we'd be isolated And neglected and rejected We'd all be lost and on our way to hell Uh, But may I say as an 18 year old boy In my Bethsaida I can assure you tonight uh, That for the first time in four years Jesus uh, passed by And I felt and appreciated his presence uh, And it wasn't too long after He showed up in my Bethsaida My cursed place uh, That my friend as an 18 year old boy That he touched me again I say glory Glory to God that He came where I was. Uh, Despite my sin and my surroundings and the strongholds uh, and the curse of sin on my life, He showed up in in the middle of my sin and I felt His presence. First, the only way you're going to really ever get a second touch is to appreciate the Lord's presence. How many services do you come in and sit and take the presence of God for granted? Don't know why some people never get that touch, that second touch. Touch me again, Lord. Because they go to church and they just, it's just church. Have you ever thought about the miracle that we all experience on a weekly basis when the Lord shows up? We should appreciate that. Let me ask you, does anybody here deserve him to come meet with you tonight? Does anybody live the life that he's just so impressed with that he wants to manifest himself? It ought to amaze us. When anybody stands and sings or anybody stands and preaches and the wind starts to blow just a little. We think if we don't have a, 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 a running, shouting, swinging from the uh, say chandelier, swinging from whatever and things are, uh, if we don't have a snot, slobbering, kicking hallelujah fit that we ain't had church but listen to me I have said in church and the sweetest calmest spirit you've ever felt can be there nobody's shouting but everybody is sitting in the presence of God listen we ought not take that for granted when you just come become numb to the presence of God and you reach a place that you deserve the presence of God friend my you're in a bad position you'll never ever ever feel that second touch you'll never feel that wind blow you'll never move from Where you are with God Until you get to a place Where you appreciate that Jesus Christ Comes down into Bethsaida Every Sunday morning Sunday night and Wednesday He comes to a place You know what we all are I know we're saved But we're still sinners in this flesh we're still in a world full of sin He's still Even His own people Are filled full of sin and wickedness Uh, But He comes by We ought to appreciate the Lord's presence If you ever want Him to touch you again but then secondly, in order for the Lord to touch you again, you must associate with the right kind of people. Yeah. Look at verse 22. You want a second touch? You better be with the right crowd. Yeah. Bible said, And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. Now, the Bible do not tell us who they are, but I'm going to tell you something about they. They is good people. Yeah. Y'all with me? let ain't nursing home ministry, y'all. We in church, you say amen, smile, do something. I don't know who they is, but they is good people. Why is that? Because they're bringing this man to Jesus. They could have left his tail at the house he's been blind for who knows how long Uh, but they said well we heard that there's a man passing through, his name's Jesus, Uh, uh, can I say uh, my friend, anybody who is striving to bring you closer uh, to Jesus Christ is the right crowd to run with uh, and anybody who's not is the right crowd to run away from, help me somebody if they're trying to take you towards Calvary run with them, if they're trying to take you away from Calvary, run from them if they're trying to take you to church, run with them, if they're trying to take you away from church run away from them if they're trying to take you to the glory of God run with them but if they're trying to take you away from being in the glory in the presence of God run away from them I don't know who they is but they is the kind of people that I want in my life I don't want people that to bring me down I don't want people to try to drag me out I don't want people have to throw the, the water on my fire and try to deplete my faith I'm telling you he's running with the right crowd he's associated with the right people Can I say the reason we have the kind of church that we have is because, thank God, we got the right kind of people uh, that go to this church. You know what I found out? Uh, The right kind of people uh, tend to stick around and the wrong kind tend not to. Uh, This is not the place where uh, the world can just blend right in. This is not the place where the carnal can just blend right in. Uh, My friend, this is not the place where the replicator can blend right in. Uh, Thank God. Associated I wish to God Somebody help me On a Sunday night You could be In any church in America You could be Sitting on a pew With all kinds of people But ain't you glad We're associated With the right kind of people We're not here To look at self We're not here To look at one another We're all desperate have To see him We know who we are We know where we was But God came To our best Santa. There's people Sitting here tonight The only reason you're here Is because somebody else In this room invited you to come they quote unquote brought you to where Jesus was I see my friend a a very big importance on this subject of associating with the right kind of people isn't it amazing how you can get the right kind of people together in a place that are doing their, their very best to draw closer to God and the next thing you know God swings in and starts touching everybody again y'all remember this we've had services like this we'll have plenty more in the future Lord's will y'all remember the services where it just got out of the banks Amen. Yeah. I remember we was here one day and I don't know what happened but everybody was just walking in the sanctuary with their families yeah. shouting and crying praising God you remember that Why, why'd that happen well we was in the right place with the right kind of people now, if, you, if we'd have been here to try to impress you and entertain you, guess what wouldn't have happened? You wouldn't have got that touch that day. The right kind of people, this crowd here uh, tonight is not, is not interested in demonstrating their talent. They're not interested in defending some kind of title. They're not interested in displaying their trophies. Uh, I honest to God believe that we're all here tonight for one reason. And that's because we desire for God to touch us again. I don't know about you, but I, I want I want to feel his touch. I want his touch to be on my life. I want his touch to be on my ministry. I want his touch to be on my home. Is anybody listening? Yeah. I want his touch to be on me. And because I associate with the right kind of people, I am leading myself down the right path to experience the touch of God. They did not take him away from Christ. They took him to him. And because he had the right people in his life, this blind man receives a touch that he never had before. I I want God to touch me again. I want to be in His presence, His power. I want to be with His people. I want to be fed from His parchments. I want to be singing His praises. I want the Lord to touch me again. And if you want God to touch you again, you must associate with the right people. Ain't you glad we're not in a church that's in pursuit of fame? Uh, We're not trying to get rich here. Hello? Uh, uh, We're not not trying to, to, to... Create a public image and a public figure out of Stillwater Baptist Church. I am not a public figure. Come on, somebody. Now nah, I, I ain't gonna give an account for nobody, but there's several preachers they've got so big time that they're stinking Facebook pages uh, labeled now public figure. I don't want to be a public figure. You with me? Amen. Amen. Some of these men I, I would even call friends, but I'm not a public figure. I'm a preacher. I'm not seeking fame or fortune. i care less if the world knows my name or if they don't. He does. That's all that matters. We're not public figures. Ain't you glad we're not in a place that's in pursuit of fortune and fame? And Ain't you glad we're not running with a crowd that's pursuing false doctrine? Ain't you glad we're not in pursuit of Facebook followers? I'm not trying to build my audience on Facebook. Preaching like I do will surely do the opposite. Are you listening? What are we doing? We're just just waiting for him to come by. We just hope. I do. I hope you're the same way. Every service, I'm just hoping he'll come in and I can feel him touch me one more time. I need his touch, and you need his touch. You must associate with the right kind of people. Thirdly, in order for the Lord to touch you again, you must accept his plan. This is really where I want to get to. In order for God to touch you again, you've got to submit yourself accept his plan notice this in order for God to touch you again first of all his plan involves effectual separation look at verse 23 and he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town does everybody see that? Can I say the first step that God, uh, the the, the first move that the Lord makes in verse 23 uh, is to get this man. He separates him. It's effectual separation. Can I say the blind man had to let the Lord lead him. In other words, he was removed from his comfort zone. Can I say this tonight? And if you're not willing to leave the comfort zone of who you are and what you like, what you don't like, in pursuit of God, you'll miss out on a touch from the Lord. Amen. You realize tonight, this is, this is nothing that I would have chose. This was out of my comfort. No, it's not now. But when the Lord called me to preach, I was completely out of my comfort zone. Some of you singing in church, you used to didn't sing in church. And when you started singing in church, it was totally out of your comfort zone. How many has been there singing? You let him lead you out of your comfort zone. See, he was comfortable around whoever they was. You with me? He was comfortable enough to let them lead him to a man he'd never heard of. And then all of a sudden, he said, you really want some help, son? Yeah, you really want healing? All right, come with me. Ain't that how it works? He had to be willing to leave his comfort zone. And I'm here to say this tonight. Some of you are going to rob yourself of God, putting another touch on your life. If you do not quit limiting yourself to your comfort zone at some point, you've got to let God lead you where he wants to lead you. Or you'll never get that second touch. He took him away from his comfort zone. I say there's nothing more rewarding to me in my life to stand and feel literally. I, there's times, that so many times, I can literally feel the hand of God on me. Are you with me? I can feel it. When I begin to preach, there's times, I'm telling you, I can feel him pushing me. There's like a motor in me, man. I'm telling you, I can feel him revving that motor. I can feel him, I can feel him using me. And boy, it's, it's something I can't explain. It's a touch I would have never known had I not been willing to leave my comfort zone. Amen. This man don't receive sight. If he looks at Jesus and says, "Nah, I'm staying right where I'm at. I wonder what God's asked of some of you in here tonight. It ain't all about being a preacher, by the way. Thank the Lord for them. But there's things that are uncomfortable for you that God wants you to do, but you're just not willing to let him lead you out of your comfort zone. And you know what you're robbing yourself of? Second touch. I would never experience the things I experienced had I not been willing to let God lead me. How I many of y'all have stood up here, maybe you didn't sing. You started singing, got out of your comfort zone, and God blow and move through that thing and bless you and bless everybody else. You'd robbed, robbed us of a touch if you wouldn't let God lead you out. Does everybody see that? I'm talking about. <clears throat> I'm talking about accepting his plan. His plan, number one, is a plan of effectual separation. But number two, his plan, I want you to get get all this. This is the meat of the message. His plan, number two, uh, involves extreme sacrifice. It involves effectual separation. God has a reason it will affect others. If you will separate yourself, it will bring a good effect on you and those around you, that second touch. But then we also see in the plan of God that it involves extreme sacrifice. What do you mean? Look at verse 23. He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. There's your effectual separation. Number two in this plan. And when he had spit... On his eyes. You believe your Bible? You know what I believe he done? Spit on him. On his eyes. Maybe not just once, but twice. I'm talking about extreme sacrifice, friend. May I say the blind man had to literally let God spit in his face. Hello? You, oh, I want to touch, brother. I want I want the anointing. You better get ready for ready for some spitting seasons. This you know what this requires? Extreme sacrifice. You think it's easy to let any man spit in your eyes? I don't care if you're blind or not. One of the most disrespectful things I believe, we would all agree, is for another man or a woman to spit in your face. But you want to touch? Is everybody listening? I wanted it to get like this. I wish mom was in here. Where's she at? She needs to hear this. Because let's just get honest, Brother Jeff. Get in here now. I'm preaching. This is for you. Brother Jeff, you ever had a moment where you really felt like God was spitting in your face? Don't say no. When you're laying there looking up at the ceiling at night and everything around you is turned inside out and upside down, you know what it's like. Don't, don't get so religious that you, don't, that you don't have these thoughts. Now, Lord, I've always been faithful. God, I'm not one to run out on church every six months. I'm not one. Every time preachers gets up and says something, that steps on my toes, I relocate. Lord, I, I'm not that. Lord, why me? In other words, you really feel like you're being done wrong. It's a spitting season. You know what comes out of this spitting season? A second touch. He don't receive it. Without God first spitting in his eyes. Does everybody see that? Do you see the order of this? God spits on his eyes and touches them the first time. Without God spitting on him, there is no second touch. Listen to me. I mean extreme sacrifice. In other words, this blind man had to let the Lord put him under a load. Here's what I mean By allowing Jesus to spit in his eyes, you know where this blind man was? He was relocated. You know where? Looks a whole lot like this to me. I believe he was relocated under a cross. I was preaching August the 8th, 2000, whenever. Brother Shelby got saved. You know what I was preaching on? Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. Can I tell you in Mark's gospel, in Mark chapter number 10, would you just flip right there and look at me? I want you to read this. Look in verse 32. Verse 32. Bible said in Mark 10 verse 32, and they were in the way going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus went before them, and they were amazed as they followed, and they were afraid, and he took again the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen unto him, saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and to the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles, and they shall mock him, and shall scourge him, and shall... And shall kill him. The third day he shall rise again. You know all of a sudden who this blind man starts to look like? He looks a whole lot like Jesus. Preacher, I feel like God's just spit in my face. You've never looked more like him. Is everybody seeing what I'm trying to tell you? This is the meat of the message. You want a second touch. Everybody wants the power of God. But nobody wants to pay the price. It's going to take some moments where God says, hold on. You want to say, it touch, Brother Jonathan? Yes, sir. Yes, Lord, I do. First thing this man does. Can you imagine? I, I bet he got butterflies in his stomach. He knows what it's like to see because he's he seen him walking his trees. And all these years, he's not seen this, 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 the blue sky. He's not seen the birds fly. He's not seen the, the, the wind blow the leaves. He's not seen his family and his friends. Jesus walks up to him and he says, you, you want to see something? Yes, I do. Come on. I bet at that moment he's like, oh man, here we go. I'm fixing to get it. I'm fixing to get it touched. And he leads him out away from everybody. He, let, he was willing to leave his comfort zone. He gets him out of the wilderness. And that was <laughs> Right in his face. How I many of y'all have thought, boy, this is fixing to me good. The Lord's there. He's done told you he's fixing to fix everything, but now all of a sudden, before things get better, you know what it looks like to me? They got worse. It's bad to be blind, but it's real bad to be blind with another man's saliva dripping from your eyes. Y'all with me? Yeah, right. Does anybody see that it, there's extreme sacrifice here, my friend? He spits in his eyes. Can I see? Everybody wants their sight to be clear, but nobody wants to suffer and bear their cross. The Lord Jesus did not just touch him again and give him clear sight. He first takes him out. Effectual separation. And then he makes him deal and experience this extreme sacrifice he has to bear a cross he has to he has to go through something that he don't like in order for God to give him another touch he has to endure this seizing of spitting you say preacher is there any time in your life oh yeah let me give you a few as a 14 year old boy with my family that seemed to be torn apart and I didn't know if my mom and daddy would ever be out together again and my home was split and that my church life was, was blown up it looked to me like God May have just spit in my eyes As a young pastor About 23 years of age uh, When I lost dear friends and mentors And everything in my life uh, Seemed like a blur I was confused and hurt and heavy People I loved was no longer here I, I believed devil lie to the devil That they'd never be restored It looked like God had spit in my face uh, Again As uh, down the road As a 26 year old pastor I faced some of the biggest problems of my life. Uh, my friend, again, I, I went through a, a period. I thought my ministry was over. I thought my mind was gone. I thought my marriage would dissolve. My emotions were a wreck. Uh, my mindset was messed up. And it looked like God had spit in my face. I tried everything I knew to do to please Him. Then just again, uh, at six months ago in June, it seemed like, my God, Lord, I've tried everything. My family's been faithful. We We've overcome our our setbacks. We've done what we know to do. And it's like God just spit in my face for the fifth or sixth time. But can I tell you, every time I look back on those, there was a second touch. Can I tell you, since June, I have preached in a way I, I never preached before. God's given me a second touch. I've been able to help people that I couldn't have helped. Had I not been going through and still going through some of those things but what was it it's God's way to give me a second touch it almost felt like he spit in my face God has used this very text to explain all these instances in my life I can now look back and see what God was doing I now understand the necessity of those times in our life where it seems God has failed us you do realize it appears that God's failed this man don't you look Verse twenty-four or verse twenty-three. He took the blind man by the hand, led him out of town. When he had spit on his eyes, he put his hands upon him. He asked him if he saw aught. It's right. You ready to see Yeah. Leads him out, spits in his eyes, touches him, says, "Can you see?" He looked up and said, "I see men as trees." You know what it looks like. Looks like God has just failed him. Anybody here not too religious to admit? you've looked at your life and thought, well, Lord, I appreciate the help, but this thing's not healed. And we take something, something from God that's not completely healed is is failure. If it's not complete, if it's not complete healing, it's total failure. God don't do nothing halfway. Can I get a witness? It looks to me like that God has failed him and I bet he thought the same thing. But as you know, God never fails. It appears after Jesus spits in his eyes and touches him the first time that he's failed him because he could not see clearly. In verse 23 and in verse number 24 again, this is the first touch that Jesus spits in the eyes of the blind man and touches him. What happens? He can see, but not clearly. And that leads me to the third part of God's plan that you must accept. Not only is there effectual separation and extreme. Sacrifice, But then this plan involves evaluation of sight. The third part of God's plan involves evaluation of sight. And I'll be done. The blind man had to let the Lord know how things looked. Or he was reconsiderate of his condition. Each one of those points has that subpoint. I don't know if you've caught that. But the third one is, he was reconsiderate of his condition. May I say here, his condition is helped again, as you've heard, but it is not healed. And by the way, if you're not careful, you'll go through your Christian life having been helped, but not completely healed. That's why you need the Lord to touch you again. It's here that we find not only does the Lord Jesus have a healing ministry, this is redneck stuff from when you got a redneck pastor. He not only has a healing ministry, but he institutes the first hawking ministry. Anybody know what hawking a loogie is? He's got a healing ministry, but he institutes the first hawking ministry right here. Leads him out, and the first thing he hears is. My, what's he doing? He's fixing to spit on him. He's fixing to give him what he asked for, though. Do you, has God ever done what you ask him, but in a way you really wouldn't have picked? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Say, what you will. But from my point of view, this don't make a whole lot of sense. Does this make sense to anybody? Yeah. All right, first order of business, sir. You're blind as a bat. Let's spit a loogie in your eye. <laughs> Question, could Jesus not have just touched this man's eyes one time? Jesus not just spoke and said see but he had a process he had a plan and there's a lesson to learn from this plan, and and the first is there. It involved uh, effectual separation. It involved extreme sacrifice. I mean, to spit in a man's face—that's pretty extreme, and that looks just like Jesus. It looks like he's under a cross, and he's paying similar price that Jesus would pay. But then we see this. We see that there must be a evaluation of sight. Can you see? Yeah, but not clearly. As I begin to look at this spitting ordeal, I found myself back just one chapter. We won't read it in. Mark all right, chapter number seven. You know Jesus spits there too, in order to heal a deaf man with a dumb tongue. As a matter of fact, we—I we, think it'd be good to read it. Let's go back to Mark seven. I don't want you to take my word for it because this is this is pretty this pretty extreme. Mark seven, and look 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 with me in. Um, Verse 31, I believe it is. Yep. The Bible said, And again departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came unto the Sea of Galilee, through the midst of the coast of the Decapolis. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they beseech him to put his hand upon him, and he took him aside from the multitude. Effectual separation. He put his fingers into his ears. And he spit and touched his tongue. Does everybody see that? And looking up to heaven, he sighed, saith unto him. Whatever he said right there. My tongue just got done right there. That word. Be opened. Amen. Straightway his ears were opened and... The string of his tongue was loosed and he spake plain. Jesus takes a, a deaf man and a dumb man t- his, tides, his tongue's tied about like mine <laughs> And he sticks fingers in his ears <coughs> and then splots it on his tongue. And all of a sudden this man's talking like you ain't never heard nobody talk. And he's hearing like you ain't never... He can hear, he can hear a ten point buck four ridges over grunting. But Jesus, is this a little unorthodox to anybody else but me? I don't like nobody touching my ears. I don't like touching my own ears. I don't want Jesus sticking his fingers in my ears or touching my tongue with his spit. But that's what he done. And I'll say you're not always going to like the process. Sometimes it's going to even be uncomfortable. Can you all agree with that? But he has to put you under a load a lot of times to give you that second touch. There's a lot I could say here, but I'm not going to say it. In both situations, concerning the deaf and the dumb man, now the blind man, God, it seems like does not make much sense, but we also find that both men end up receiving the touch of God for the second time. It's worth noting that in both scenarios, Jesus was using the affliction of these men to teach his disciples. I don't got time to get into all that. I wish I did. Faith cometh by what? Hearing by the word of God. May I say once you've heard, your faith begins to grow, and that's when you can see. You realize that sight does not come first before we walk by, not by. But once you've started walking by faith, you can clearly see some things. Am I right? There's no coincidence that these two stories are in the order they are, because you first must learn to hear, and you must learn to walk by faith before you'll ever receive sight. You notice how the Bible lays these out in the Gospel of Mark? It's not a coincidence. But in both scenarios, before you can hear, you need a... Got two of you that's like not on back there somewhere. Before you can hear, you need God's. Before you can ever be used and speak, you need God's. Before you're ever going to see the big picture of what God has for you, you need a... You know what some of you need? Another touch. You can't hear like you once heard His voice. You know what you need? Touch me again. You can't see things like you used to see them, where there is no vision. The people, know what you need. Touch me again, Lord. Can I say this tonight? We're done. Just I hurried along through this. Verse twenty-four. This is very important. I want you to look, Mark chapter number eight, verse twenty-four. You want to know why I believe it's important for God to touch us again? He says this in verse 24. He looked up and said, I see men as... Can I say it's obvious to me, this blind man, seeing men in a way that made them appear much bigger than they really were. Can I say there's there's a reason in my life I can look back and see where God, to me, spit in my face. But you know all along what I was doing, Brother Sean? I had to lose people in my life. I had to lose them. It didn't make no sense to me. But you know what God was letting me know? Men are not as trees. I begin to think about trees and trees are something. And it, 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 it appears that he sees men in a way that it makes them appear much bigger than they were. It appears that this blind man seen mankind in a way that made them appear much stronger than they really were. It appears, it's apparent to me that this blind man sees men being much more firm and faithful than they really are. Can I tell you, every man at best is still a man. Yeah. Yeah. You know why you need God to touch you again? Because if you're not careful... Men will get too big in your eyes. And when your eyes get focused on man, guess what happens? You get let down. You know there's some people tonight, they've quit church because a man failed them. You know what they needed? Second touch. You know what happens when he gets touched again? Notice this. Now this is important. In verse 24, he sees men as trees, much bigger, stronger, more faithful and firm than they really were. Verse 25, he gets a second touch. The Bible said he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every what? Clearly. You know what a second touch will do for you? It'll let you see men for what they are. Men. Can I tell you, there's there's some places in my heart that I'm hurt even now because of men. But because God's put me through the spitting process, you know what He's showed me? They're just men. Yeah. It don't hurt me like it did then, because I realized they're not trees. How many of y'all have been hurt in the ministry? anybody ever been hurt by church folk? Man. Man. You all't know why it hurts so bad because we view men bigger than we should. Right. They're just men. Hey, listen, if God will touch you again, you know what you'll realize? You'll begin to see things more clearly. And it wasn't necessarily them that was against you. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against spiritual weakness and darkness, rulers of darkness in high places. We're not, the enemy is not one another tonight. The enemy is the spirit that works within us when we yield to sin, self, and Satan. This second touch, Brother Sean, you know what it did? It allowed him to see men that he thought, well, I really was looking up to them and look how they act or look what they said or look how they treated my family. All of a sudden he sees everything, every man clearly. And he don't look at men to be bigger than what they really are, to be more faithful than what they really are. To be firm and strong more than they really are. Can I say there's nobody in this building above falling? Amen. You with me, ain't you? Amen. Talk about a second touch. Touch me again, Lord. Why? So we can see clearly. If I fall out of this thing, God forbid tomorrow. I told you I want this thing to go on. But if your sight's on me, guess what? It ain't going to go on. Amen. There'll be cobwebs in the corners. There'll be repossession notices put on the doors. And the bank will claim ownership of this, and I'm telling him what it will be if you're looking to me. If you come to church for anybody but Jesus Christ, you're going to be let down. You've got a bigger image of man than what mankind really is. What do we need tonight? We need God to touch us again. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to preach and share what's on my heart pray God you'd help us, Lord, to be obedient. Whatever you've spoke, however you've said it to us, if we need to pray, if we need to do business with you, we would do that. Please, Lord, bless and help and take this message to, to build this church more uh, spiritually, Lord, and Lord, more aware of the, the reason and the cause, the effects of needing another touch. I pray God that you do that tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.